Amen. Amen. Give the gospel ensemble one more hand. <laughs> Please take just a moment and pray with me. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. If God wants us to be happy and to live with peace within ourselves, if God wants our relationships to be filled with love and joy, then what are we going to do with all that drama and chaos that surrounds us? <laughs> do you think that because today is the first Sunday of the year, you can just say, poof, be gone, and the chaos will disappear? Or as our beloved, the Reverend Troy Perry might say, get behind me, drama. I serve a God that is mightier than you. <laughs> well, I do believe that we need, need to declare our freedom. I do believe we have to declare it, but it's going to require just a little bit more. So let us take a look at the original version of the serenity prayer. That's a prayer that we often speak and are blessed by. And at the same time, it's more to it that some of us haven't heard before. So I want to make sure that everybody gets to hear the original version. It's by the author, Reinhold Neubauer. And I've only changed one word this time. <laughs> God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this chaotic world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. I want us to take a look at that last sentence just one more time. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever. Yes, it's true. Happiness can be ours. Happiness can be our reality. And here's how. First, you have to stake out your claim for joy. And second, you have to believe with all of your heart that God is in the midst of everything that you do. Not because I say so, but because you can feel the connection with God in the air that becomes your spirit. Every breath you take, the sound of your own heartbeat, connecting to you to your essence. Take just a moment and touch your heart and listen to its sound. Your breath, 
your beat. This is the connection that we have to each other. You can put your hands down. <laughs> when Jesus says, I love you, do you question it? And do you say, how could Jesus love a person such as me? What God wants from us, what God wants from us is our very best. The very best that you can offer this world. That's all God wants. So why do we hold on to negative assumptions, self-judgments, and the expectations that lead to a life full of chaos? Why do we hold on to it? To know God's will and to know God's purpose for your life is to express your self-love in a way that honors you and honors every relationship and every interaction you have with other people. That's what it takes. Now, I understand that most of us have been shaped by our past, by misfortunes. Some of us have been shaped by our childhood, a young child longing to be set free. And these are the experiences that we have that paralyzes us and we begin to settle for one negative experience after another. Indeed, we can have mutually empowering, mutually nourishing relationships, but that's not what we settle for. And some of you or someone in here may be thinking, well, my life doesn't really matter. And I'm here to tell you that every, every life matters. And guess what? You are free. You are free. And guess what? Your childhood, it's over. As the great poet Maya Angelou reminds us, this is the start of a new year. It can be a start of a new you. Taking responsibility for your own happiness is all a matter of seeking out the truth. Taking responsibility for your own happiness and freedom is a matter of speaking boldly your truth. And perhaps you're still holding on to that fear or maybe even negative beliefs about yourself and judgments that others have placed on you. When in fact, you have the power, you have the power to replace those judgments and fears with courage and genuine self-love. You have the power to let go of the past. Now, you can't change the past, but you can change every negative agreement that you have made with yourself. Now, when I look in the mirror, I see naturally curly hair, and it looks good. Some would go so far as to say I am happy to be nappy. <laughs> now last Sunday, Dewana talked about saying only what you mean and recognizing the power of the spoken word. When you begin to speak from a place of love and truth, you can say goodbye to all the drama and you can say goodbye to any drama that may creep into your relationships or maybe even creep into this church or any other church. Now, Vicki talked about how important it is to refuse 
to take on other people's emotional poison. Now, when you don't take things personally, you avoid the havoc that can result in your life. And all those feelings of anger and resentment will totally disappear. So today, we're going to continue with our second part series of the Four Agreements. Anthony and Eileen, Eileen will go first, and then Anthony are going to share with us the third and the fourth agreements, and they're going to share their wisdom for the Spirit in 2010. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to everybody. That's a good way to start a year. I do not have happy nappy. <laughs> I have shimmering silver. And it's my own. People pay good money for this. Don't they? Thank you, God. I'm here to address the third agreement in the Don Miguel Ruiz book entitled The Four Agreements. And this third agreement is don't make assumptions. This could very well be one of the most important wise rules that was talked about in the psalm that we read earlier. It starts out by saying, give the gift of wise rule to the anointed. O God, the gift of just rule, may he judge your people rightly. And the part of that is don't make assumptions. One of the definitions provided by brainyquote.com for the word assumption is the act of taking for granted or supposing a thing without proof, supposition, or an unwarranted claim. Now here's some of the things that Don Miguel Ruiz states about assumptions. We believe our assumptions are the truth. And we base our actions and our thoughts on these assumptions. This morning, what I will address are three aspects of assumptions. And this first aspect is uh, assumptions as they relate to relationships. Most of what Ruiz writes about regarding assumptions is how they impact our relationships. We assume that everyone sees life as we do, thinks the way we think, feels the way we feel, judges the way we judge. For instance, Chris, Names are changed to protect the guilty. <laughs> Gossips about people. So Chris assumes people are going to gossip about her also. Johnny cheats on his partner. So Johnny assumes that his partner is cheating on him too. Bernie has a violent streak in her. And she assumes everyone is going to be violent with her. So she strikes first before they can hurt her. Here's another angle on assumptions in relationships. Often we make the assumption that our partners know what we think and that we don't have to say what we want. We assume they're going to do what we want because they know us so well. If they do, don't do what we assume they should do, we feel so hurt and say, you should have known. Now, let's say I'm in a committed, committed relationship with someone. I assume that she perceives a committed relationship the same way I do. The love will be manifested 
the way I think it should be. The chores will be shared the way I think they should be. The toothpaste tube will be rolled up the correct way. The toilet paper will roll the way it should roll, which is from the top. Yeah. And she is my partner, should know all of these things. And that this is the way the relationship should look. So if she doesn't do these things, then I assume she doesn't love me. Mind you, none of this is spoken. Uh-uh. It's very clear in my head. And if she really loved me, she would know that this is the way it's supposed to be. We have a little mind reader problem in my household. Now, this is an extreme example, but really, how extreme is it? How often do feelings get hurt in a relationship because I assume something about my partner, about what my partner is thinking or should be thinking. Most of the time that assumption is how she should be reacting. I call this for myself expectations. My expectations of other people, whether realistic or not, are the primary source of my hurt feelings when in relationships, whether they be lovers, coworkers, children, parents, or strangers. I have an expectation they, whomever they may be, don't live up to that expectation and my feelings get hurt. Now, here's another example about relationships. Often when we enter a relationship, we justify why we like that person. We see what we want to see and we deny that there are things that we don't like about that person. Then come the assumptions. My love will change them. <laughs> Ruiz states that this is not true. If they change, it's because they changed. It's not because we changed them. We don't need to justify this love. That love is either there or it's not there. Real love is accepting the other person, person exactly the way they are right now without trying to change them. Two by four upside my head. <laughs> yes, I am preaching to myself. <sighs> the second aspect regarding assumptions deals with the assumptions that we make about ourselves. Assumptions that we make about ourselves can create a tremendous amount of inner conflict. I'm going to share a real-life story with you. One of the single most damaging assumptions I made about myself was that Jesus did not love me. I harbored this assumption for decades. I remember the day that assumption became etched in my brain. I was 13 years old. It was April the 6th, 1968, two days after Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Tragedy had struck our own house on that day also. I was out in the front yard, and I thought of the song that we used to sing in Sunday school when I was a kid, Jesus Loves the Little Children. I made the assumption right then and there that Jesus did not love me, because if he did, he would not have let that happen. So for decades, I based life decisions on the assumption that Jesus did not love me. I ran from the church. I shuddered at the thought of even crossing the threshold. 
I tried to fill the void with booze and drugs and other things, none of which worked. I had such an emptiness inside, and through the loving, patient guidance of some friends, I slowly found my way back to God. I came back to church, I sang in the choir. However, I still could not find it in myself to trust Jesus with my will in my life, and I questioned my salvation on a regular basis. How could I be saved if I didn't think Jesus loved me? It was only recently that I was able to shed this assumption and embrace Jesus' total and complete love of me. And for the first time in decades, I have felt peace. Amen. Amen. The third aspect of assumptions is how to avoid making them in the first place. Ruiz suggests one key way is to ask questions. If you don't understand, then ask. Have the courage to ask questions until you're clear as you can be, and even then, don't, know, don't assume that you know all there is to know. Find your voice to ask for what you want. You may be told no, but you at least have the right to ask. Likewise, everyone has the right to ask you, and you have the right to say yes or no. So in closing, ask yourself, how many assumptions have I made regarding myself that block me from the sunlight of the Spirit? How many assumptions do I embrace that interfere with me having happy, healthy relationships? What are those myths that I keep hanging on to that ultimately bring misery to my life? And the ultimate question is, why do I keep hanging on to them? Deep wounds to the soul create deeply etched assumptions that poison our decision-making, our relationships, and our image of ourselves. So let's consider taking Ruiz's advice and do ourselves a favor. Don't make assumptions. Thank you. Thanks, Eileen. Good morning, Resurrection, and Happy New Year. The fourth agreement, always do your best. Are you really living life or are you operating in default? Are you living your life on autopilot? Are you living up to your full potential? Unfortunately, many of us will die with our dreams still within us. Yes, the cemetery is full of untapped potential. We do not live out our dreams because we have more faith in our fears than we do in our dreams. We need to step out in faith and do it even if we are afraid. The fourth agreement is always do your best. When we live out our dreams and passions, we will do what comes straight from our hearts and we will do it to the best of our ability. When we live out our passions, we never have to think about whether or not we're doing our best. We simply are. For example, some of us go to work simply to get a paycheck, and we really don't enjoy the action that we do. If we don't enjoy our work and we don't take pleasure in the action, we could never do our best. Instead, we work all week so that we can escape during the weekend, and then when the weekend finally comes, we punish ourselves through self-judgment and behaviors of addiction, intoxication, and self-disregard. 
And then on Monday, the cycle starts all over again. But when we're doing something that lights us up, there is no fear. There's just passion and authentic being. Simply do your best and your fears will take a hike. If we embrace the fourth agreement, we allow the other agreements to become deeply ingrained habits. Doing our best describes the manner in which we should approach the other three agreements. In each and every circumstance, we must do our best, no more and no less. For if we always do our best, there is no way we can judge ourselves. And by not judging ourselves, we free ourselves of guilt, blame, and self-punishment. In short, it allows us to live a life free of regrets. I'd like to highlight a few important things about the fourth agreement. First, our best varies depending on life's ups and downs. For example, when we are refreshed and energized, our best will be better than when we are tired at night. Our best will be different when we are healthy as opposed to sick. Don't worry if your best changes from one moment to the other, from one day to the next, or even from one hour to another. Regardless of the quality, just do your best in every circumstance. If we build a habit of living the four agreements, our best will become better than it used to be. The second point is, is that when we do less than our best, we expose ourselves to self-judgment, guilt, and regrets. Doing less than our best causes us to take action because we feel we have to, not because we enjoy it. We take action to please others instead of making ourselves happy. We deny ourselves the right to live fully because we are afraid to take the risk to express who and what we are. When we live in this mode, we live in the past, constantly thinking, if only I had done this, or what if I had done that? Eventually, we come to hate ourselves because of the regrets and resentments that overtake our soul. The third point I like to make is that it is possible to attempt to do more than our best. And a good example of this is overachievement. When we try to do more than our best, what ends up happening is that we expend more energy than is necessary, wear ourselves thin, and in the end, our best won't be good enough. When we overextend ourselves, all we're doing is depleting our energy, causing it to take longer to accomplish our goals. And this leads to self-judgment and frustration. Just do your best. No more, no less. In his book, Don Miguel tells the story of a man who wanted to transcend his suffering. So he went to a Buddhist temple to ask a master for help. He asked the master, if I meditate four hours a day, how long will it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, if you meditate four hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in 10 years. Thinking he could do better than that, the man said, oh master, what if I meditated eight hours a day? The master looked at him and said, if you meditate eight hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in 20 years. Why would it take me longer to transcend if I meditate more? The master replied, you are not here to sacrifice your joy or your life. You are here to live, to be happy, and to love. If you can do your best in two hours of meditation, but you spend eight hours instead, you'll only grow tired 
miss the point, and you won't enjoy your life. Do your best, and perhaps you will learn that no matter how long you meditate, you can live, love, and be happy. There is an important biblical story that can be related to doing our best. It is the story of Mary who brought a very special gift to Jesus. It can be found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, which was read earlier. In this story, we see that Jesus was having a meal in the house of Simon. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, was also there. On a previous occasion, Mary's brother Lazarus was very sick and later died. Jesus came and raised him back to life again. So Mary was a woman who knew Jesus. She spent time listening to him. She knew that he could work miracles, as evidenced by her brother coming back to life. And now Mary did something that shocked everybody in that house. She took out a jar filled with expensive perfume, broke the jar, and anointed Jesus. The act was shocking because the value of the perfume was worth a year's wages. So let's think about this. Why would a young girl spend so much money on a bottle of perfume? Well, in Jesus' time, it was custom for young Jewish girls to spend a huge amount on a jar of perfume so that on the day of her wedding, she would break the flask and beautify herself with it. And in so doing, she would indicate to her husband that she was offering her best to him. So when Mary poured out that costly oil on Jesus, what she was saying in effect was, I'm pouring out my best for you. I'm pouring out my all for you. This was how Mary showed her gratitude to Jesus. She gave her best. She was so grateful that Jesus raised her brother Lazarus from the dead that she didn't know how else to express her thanks. Jesus responded, she has done a great thing to me. Resurrection, I believe we can learn a lot from Mary. Not only should we do our best, as Don Miguel's fourth agreement suggests, but we should also give our best to Jesus. This does not necessarily mean that Jesus expects money, perfume, or expensive things. All we need to do is be authentic and to give Jesus our best. So how do we do that? I believe one way we can do our best is by becoming spiritually fit. That is, developing a personal relationship with God and staying connected through daily meditation and prayer. Next, we must be a witness to others about the good work God is doing in our lives as well as in this church. The only exposure that some people in our communities will have of God and this church is how we live our lives. So it's important to live the best lives we can. Then we must get involved in the various ministries of the church. Each of us should seek out where we can contribute and then offer our best service to Jesus. I'd like to conclude by saying that the four agreements are all about being fully authentic to self removing all obstacles that would distract us. Obstacles of negativity, doubt, and prejudice. This means removing anything that would restrict our capacity to be our best selves, to do our best in all things and to live fully and authentically before God and each other. If I am open and available to the Spirit, reaching for God, allowing myself to be comfortable with the unknown, in that place, the best in me manifests. 
I become available for the next stage of my life. In that space, transformation happens. In that space, healing happens. Thank you. God is truly in our midst, and now all we have to do is to loosen that grip that these assumptions and judgments have on us and begin to live our lives full of honesty and integrity. And with this being a new year, Don Miguel Ruiz provides just a start, just a roadmap to get us going. And starting on Wednesday night, we're going to offer a sacred and safe place for you to go deeper. So if you wouldn't like, join us on Wednesday as Vicki Gibbs and myself co-facilitate this six weeks study. On behalf of myself, Eileen, Anthony, Vicki, and Dewana, the Gospel Ensemble would like to thank you. <laughs>